Boom. <laughs> Boom indeed. How you doing? I'm very well, Tristan John. How are you? <laughs> uh, Stephanie L- Liaison? That doesn't really work when you're, I, it's just your initials, but... Mm, yeah, I, 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 I could start <laughs> going by SB, couldn't I? But, you know, you TJ and SB. <laughs> could work. Well, well, why not? I, I guess, you know, it'd get us in touch with the younger audience. <laughs> the TikTok crowd, if you will. <laughs> yes, yes, the TikTok crowd, as I believe they know themselves. Yes. <laughs> oh, dear. Uh, old men. Old men on the internet. Welcome back, everyone, to Old Men on the Internet. <laughs> I tell you, earlier on, I very nearly spilt my sherry. Um, <laughs> I was, um, I, it wasn't sherry, I'm, I'm prepared to concede, but I was sitting down here just getting everything ready because I'm somehow or other, I've contrived this situation now where I have two entirely different setups. For the two podcasts that I record. Perfect. Yeah. So that's ideal. Cables have to get moved and everything. That's <laughs> yeah, fabulous. Um, I, for, for the last recording of uh, Stationary Adjacent, I actually managed to turn the reverb up. Oh, on Cathedral. Now, I didn't even know I, <laughs> I didn't even know I had reverb. <laughs> and so poor Justin hello, at the other hello, end going, hello, hello. <laughs> going, what the hell has happened to his audio? <laughs> and sent me a very polite message saying, would you mind having a quick look at by any chance would you not do that again (laughs) oops sorry um so uh yeah i was sitting here just getting everything ready and we've got um a squadron of the royal air force over at the moment Mm -hmm. a squadron of typhoons presumably uh, in cyprus rather than in your house uh well (laughs) uh, to the point uh it felt as though they were awfully close to in my house about 15 <laughs> minutes ago as a pair of them roared over, presumably practicing, you know, death-defying feats. And um, uh, t- typhoons are, uh, well, they sound a lot like typhoons. They are pretty serious fighter jet things. And wow, they're loud when they're going low and fast. <laughs> uh, the, the dog looked at me as if to say, what the hell was that? Um so yes, there, there you go, uh, old men of the internet. Um, and then just as, <laughs> as you called, I was dealing with a, a red hot panic as Mrs. Lennon was texting me from on high saying, why isn't the television working? <gasps> oh, internet emergency level one. <laughs> Which sorted itself by the time I'd started our call, basically. I didn't stop me sending her a message saying, I fixed it. Yeah, take credit where credit's due. Or not Absolutely. Due. <laughs> quite writing writing yes well i am writing uh, with a pen ah. i think i think it's about time we restored some order <laughs> to this podcast uh so i am writing with uh, my first ever i have to say lammy safari that's sort of the, the uh, standard lammy jobby yeah it's a it's a sort of an entry level job mm-hmm. um so uh, i sort of skipped all that and went immediately to poncy pens <laughs> um that's your new podcast isn't it the Ponzi Pen Podcast. That's a lot of <laughs> Easy for you to say, young man. Um, and uh, Amanda, uh, Amanda Fleet, a uh, friend of the show, uh, writer at Nero's Notes and writer generally, absolutely loathes these pens. Oh. Which, I mean, it's, it's one of the few things I've heard her get vehement about. And it's because 
Uh, it's opinionated. It's an opinionated fountain pen, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> so um, it has a couple of indents where you're supposed to put your, your finger oh, and your thumb. Oh, yeah. So it's making a statement on how you're going to hold this pen. Yeah, if you've got a classic tripod grip, as they call it, um, all is well. But if you're slightly off with that, um, you've got some very sh- – it's, it's like a full hex pencil, but with, <laughs> you know, sort of moulded plastic. So I mean, it, it can sort of dig in. And it, it does force me, at least, to be very sort of disciplined in how I hold the pen, which I'm not generally. Um, but I have to say that it feels like a little bit of strain on the thumb. Mm. I'm not sure if I could write with this for half an hour, so I, I will give that a go. But um, it's it, it arrived today, so I haven't had much time with it. It's virulent green. I'm not sure <laughs> that's how the marketing department described it, but that's how I'm going to describe it. Uh, it's very bright, very nice, actually. I've, I've got to say, it looks a lot better than I thought it would. Mm. Very nice. Um, I think it's a lot of people's yeah. first pen. I've certainly written with one before. It's kind of a, it's a step up from a barrel handwriting pen, I think. Hmm. Yeah, I'm quite taken with it, I have to say. Um, very nice. And I'm writing in my, my standard podcasting book, which is currently the Sylvine Original mm-hmm. Bullet. What about you? What are you writing with it on? Oh, nothing too different from last week. Still the Rodia notepad that we uh, have for show notes. And then I'm writing with a Swiss wood again, the Caran uh, which I haven't needed to sharpen. I didn't really. This is technically an HB, according to the pencil, but it's it's not getting eaten up the way HBs and and black rings do so i haven't sharpened it since i wrote with the last and it looks basically untouched which is a strange thing i don't know maybe a, some sort of close comparison of the graphite would show you some differences because it it writes beautifully but it is harder than a black wing so it does tend to have a bit more longevity when you're writing with it and i haven't done a ton of writing so not necessarily the best test but it seems to be running and it's still a strange kind of soy sauce Rich mahogany blend in the uh, tasting notes. Right, sorry about that. I just had to go and punch the frizz. Fr- the frizz? The fridge. <laughs> it's making an extraordinary noise. It's going Cosgrove-esque. In oh, you see, it's, uh, mine's gone, so yours has to go now. That's, that's the way of it. Oh, heavens. Uh, don't tell me that. What about watching? Are you watching anything <laughs> good? Um, I'm watching. I wouldn't say that it was good. Uh, I watched a relatively new film called Army of the Dead, which came out uh, recently. I think it's one of those films that sort of languished in development hell for six or seven years. So it it was conceived many, many years ago and came out this year uh, in one of those horrible everything that could go wrong, did go wrong kind of production things. Um, I think they digitally replaced an actor at one stage. So there's a lot of stuff going on in the background. Uh, sadly, all that strife did not make for a good product. Um, it's a zombie movie, right? I like zombie movies. I'm, I'm partial to a zombie movie. It was made by Zack Schneider, uh, who made all the superman ones and also did Dawn of the Dead, which is a pretty decent mm-hmm. reboot of a zombie movie. And I thought, this, this could be fun. It seems interesting. It's It's got Dave Bautista, you know, the, the huge big dude. He was a wrestler and then he was in Guardians of the Galaxy. He he looks like a continent on stage. He's just a, he's he's fantastic. He's got really he's actually a really really good actor. But the first thing you notice about him is that he demands a larger focal length on the or a wider focal length on the camera because he's just a big dude. Uh, 
and that comes across well whenever he's punching zombies and shooting things. It's, it's quite exciting. I thought, okay, yeah, I'm on board. This is going to be interesting. And then it kind of just meandered into, yeah, so we're going to spend an awful lot of time on stuff that doesn't matter and almost no time on basic things like the script making sense or characters not disappearing and then never reappearing in the story. Like, oh, right. So you digitally rebuilt the Las Vegas strip so that you could make CGI fly-throughs with your helicopter. But one of the main characters, who's arguably the driving force of the last half of the film, uh, disappears between scenes and is never referenced again. You're like, oh, oh, is that a... Did you mean to do that? Or was that just rubbish? Or, huh. So, I don't know. It was like someone getting given lots of really, really beautiful ingredients and then cooking... I'm not sure. Soup. Bad soup. Just bad soup. Army of the dead. Bad soup. <laughs> right, TJ Cosgrove. Uh, lots of very talented people being wasted, sadly. Oh, dear. Oh, never mind. Well, it's... Uh, what have I watched? I've been watching Sinner, uh, which I talked about last mm-hmm, week. Mm-hmm. Um, and we got to the end of season one, uh, which, you know, resolved as one might expect these things to resolve. Uh, we've watched now a couple of episodes of season two, which is a little bit scary at the moment, a little <laughs> bit worrisome, because within sort of 10 minutes of the first episode, Margaret said, it's the exact same plot, but with different characters, isn't it? Um, um, uh, well, um, yeah, yes, broadly. <laughs> I mean, the premise is that somebody seemingly quite normal, does something extraordinarily violent, nasty and unpleasant, uh, making you, well, think, think less of them, I think it would be fair to say. Mm-hmm. And then it spends a good six episodes explaining to you how they got to that place and that, in fact, it may not be entirely of their own making that, that, they, were, uh, that they sort of fell upon this violent act. Um, and then you get a sort of nice big resolution at the end. Uh, and Bill Pullman sort of saves the day to a certain extent, or at least brings the truth into the light. I'm feeling very lyrical. Too, aren't I? Um, <laughs> so we're watching that. I mean, it, it's all right. It's okay. Uh, and when I, when I get a chance, I'm uh, keeping up with uh, The Spy, which is the Sasha Baron yeah. Cohen one, uh, which I am enjoying a little bit more, I have to say. What about listening? What have you been listening to? Anything good? Ooh, no, actually looking at yours, um, same as you. I've been listening to Lord Huron, their new album. I'm really digging it. And um, that's kind of been the bulk of what I've been listening to. I've also been listening to my audiobook again. So that's eaten up some of my audio time and also some of my reading time. So mostly just the new Lord Huron album, Long Lost. Okay, well, um, full disclosure, I had no um, intention of listening to the Long Lost Lord Huron, and I saw it in the show notes. Oh, I'll listen to that, <laughs> um, and put it on, and then immediately got an email which required me to actually do some work. I know, shocking. <laughs> um, and as you say, as background music, it works quite well to the extent that I couldn't really tell you what was on it. Um, <laughs> I did go back and revisit, and there are some sort of some quite sort of country vibes excerpt 
sort yeah, of thrown in, mixed in. It's interesting because I know a little bit of the lore of this, of this album because I've been kind of following all the promo uh-huh. stuff and following the live shows and stuff. But the, the basic premise of some of the stuff behind the live show was that this, you know, radio station out in the in the wilderness uh, was basically like the the sort of the spawning point for all these amazing country bands and singers and folk artists. And there's this sort of framing narrative where the, the radio host is sort of bringing all these oldies and playing them on LPs. And then Lord Huron of the band are in the studio kind of redoing these old hits. So they're almost covering their, their songs in reality. But the framing mm. is that they're kind of covering these, these classic oldies from weird and wonderful places. And so some of the stuff in the album reflects that where it, if you don't understand what's going on, it can seem a bit strange because there's little excerpts yep. or, or snippets here and there. Um, it's a little different than the last album. Um, I'll not go into a full Lord Huron chat. I'll save that for my Lord Huron podcast. Uh, but <laughs> there, it follows on closely to uh, Strange Trails, which is their second album. Because uh, Vide Noir, which is their third, kind of was a, a weird, cosmic, out there, strange and startling album, which was great. But very different. This kind of brings it back to that kind of Americana, cowboy, great Western wilderness type music, and it's it's great. I'm really enjoying it. There's probably four or five tracks on there that I think are really, really, really good. And as you say, the rest kind of blend them together. But I can appreciate not understanding the lore, which is a problem if you're just jumping into an album like normal people listen to music without reading the backstory. <laughs> then some of it is a bit like okay. Don't know what that was about, but okay, it's another song on. Okay, you know, I get it. Yeah, it. it you describe it well. It is a little bit of um. Okay, all right, cool. Yeah, <laughs> um, and then listen to, and think, oh, I, I quite like a little. Oh, hang on. Oh, yeah. So we're going for some bad Glen Campbell now, are we? Right. Okay. Good. <laughs> uh, so um, I mean, I'm not a huge fan of country music, um, mm-hmm. which is a stupid thing to say because I mean, there's such a massive sort of wide gamut of country music but you know the generic genre would not be my favorite um so it sort of jars me a little bit but uh i liked it enough i think to go back and listen to it again so i will i will put that on try have you ever listened to you've, you've listened to individual songs presumably lord you're on before yeah try the strange trails album it's their, their second one i think i mm. think you'd enjoy it from the perspective of it's like this but more coherent for someone who's never heard it before Sure, I will do exactly that. Um, but yeah, so that got me back into listening to some music because I, I, I tend to be dominated by podcasts mm. uh, to a great extent. Um, so uh, this evening before we recorded, I put on uh, Apple Music Rock Headliners um, playlist, uh, which started off with the Arctic Monkeys and the Killers. So uh, it's all right by me, mm-hmm. to be honest. Fluorescent adolescent. And yeah, I've got my little sort of my my home pod stereo pair, so they got a little bit of a workout, something. <laughs> yeah, a little bit of volume. So uh, yeah, bit of listening. Why not? Excellent. What about reading? Well, reading is listening, and listening is reading this week. So um, I was commuting back into work for a couple of days, which is nice and <gasps> nice change. Um, which has happened before, but it's just it's intermittent and sort of sparse at the minute. But it's for very specific things. But that meant that I could dust off the old AirPods and uh, get back into my audiobook. Now, this is a book I, I was listening to the, the first run in the series ages ago, 
and really enjoyed it. Uh, it's Daniel Suarez, and the first one was called Demon. Uh, this is the sequel, Freedom, which is kind of the the sort of summation of that. It's whatever the two equivalent of a trilogy is, a biology. I'm not sure. Um, <laughs> whatever two means. Uh, this is the second part of that, and it, it kind of it's trying to tie all these threads together. It's really, really good. I'd probably taken a break of two plus months on listening to this particular story, which is unusual. Normally I'd, I'd work through and finish it. And it wasn't because it was bad. It was just because I didn't have a, a place to listen to audiobooks, like a concentrated moment of time. Sure. Uh, so I really enjoyed it. Actually, I think I've got about an hour and a half left, so which I'll try and deliberately polish off in the coming days so that it's not left another two or three months. But yeah, Freedom by Daniel Suarez, really, really interesting. Written, I think, over 10 years ago, but it's quite prescient now with a lot of um, of the sort of connectivity and smart homes and data and AI research that's happening. The minute. It's really, really prescient, even though it was written quite a while ago, I think. All right, that'd be good. Uh, well, I'm still reading what it was before. Uh, I'm, I'm getting to the end now. Uh, it's been... Uh, how can I put this? As hot as Hades here. So, um, doing doing your reading sort of late at night means that, well, combined with the heat, means about five minutes on the light. You need a waterproof book, <sighs> plastic book pages. Uh, yeah, we 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 have the sort of um, the everlasting battle of the sexes um, in in the Lennon household. In that, I when it gets hot, I don't put aircon on if I can avoid it. Um, the the concept of of emigrating to Cyprus to then live in an air conditioned house just I just can't get my head around why anybody do it's that. the visuals of Cyprus with the uh, ambiance of Antarctica it's beautiful yeah I, I, you know it, it's hot here and I'd rather just deal with it I do have aircon um, in the office and I do have it in the bedroom for when it gets really hot but um, I don't consider it sort of ready yet we do have um, a ceiling fan in the bedroom. So I put the ceiling fan on uh, just to sort of stir the air up a bit, um, <laughs> open up the windows, and as the evening cools, you know, you, you get a little bit of, of cool air in there. Yeah, make the convection um, oven out of your bedroom. I get it. I understand. <laughs> that sort of thing. Um, but Mrs. L finds it, I think, um, a little bit disturbing at night. Or we, we have different modes of forecast. So we'll head to bed. And I'll think, it's going to be a hot one tonight. And she'll think, hmm, don't think it's hot enough for a fan. So after about an hour, she gets up and turns the fan off. And after about two hours, uh, you have to send throw in life preservers because we're drowning in the sweat coming off my body. <laughs> and everything then gets turned on again, at which point you've got a fan and moisture. So you're, you're then cold. I mean, it, it's just a mess. <laughs> Um, but what it does to my reading is it means that I'm now reading in sort of 35 second slots. <laughs> yep, yep, there's six words. I think that'll do for today. Um, so it's taking me forever. But it's a very good book. I would say there's uh, mm. some fascinating insights. There's a bit of science to all this. Uh, this is Triggers by Marshall Goldsmith for anyone who didn't remember what he's yes, talking about. Yes, <laughs> indeed. Yeah, which is a reasonable thing. I, mean, I was going to say it eventually. But, um, the MP up. I'd, I recommend it. If you're into that sort of understanding why um, mm. why you can't sort of match up your uh, aspirations with reality, uh, this, this will give you some idea as to why behavioural change is difficult. Um, drinking. What are you drinking, TJ? 
sadly nothing strange or startling. It's been uh, no. actually that's a lie. We bought a very disappointing rosé. Um, not knowing all that much about wine, we bought a rosé mm-hmm. last weekend. It was like, oh, we'll get that. We're having can't remember. We're having something for dinner. It was like, oh, that'll pair nicely. And we got it, and we're like, oh, it would have paired nicely if it wasn't bad. That's good. Okay. Oh. Uh, and you so can't remember what it was? I can I can get the bottle. I'll send a photo to you. Uh, maybe I don't like it rather than it's bad because I'm definitely not a wine connoisseur. Uh, but I think I was expecting it to be lighter and less uh, arresting of the the taste buds, and it was a bit more like, mm-hmm. ooh, mm, okay, mm, that's a bit, sharp, bit, bit tannic, yeah, bit acidic, yeah. So I'll send you a photo. You can you can tell me what I did wrong. Uh, but I, I imagine it'll probably get paired with a nice uh, vintage Sprite uh, and drank over the weekend anyway. Uh, but that's yeah. as strange or startling as we got this weekend. Yeah, nothing wrong with a little rosé spritzer. Mm-hmm. Um, the the more acidic it is, the more ice you throw in. <laughs> okay, the colder good it note, is, actually, yeah. the less acidic it will taste. <laughs> um, and yeah, rosé with Sprite or white with Sprite is brilliant if it's freezing cold and the weather's really hot. Mm-hmm. Um, buying. Oh, no, me. Drinking. Sorry, drinking. I'm not drinking anything particularly. Uh, ginger beer at the moment. Um, no added sugar, of course, uh, which again still worries me because I assume that means there's loads of sugar naturally occurring. <laughs> um, what have I been drinking? Uh, well, I've had a couple of Cyprus beers. Keo, uh, because it's hot. Did I mention it's hot? Um, but that's it, really. Yeah, I've been very well behaved. Mm. Well done, B. <laughs> what about buying? What have you been buying, TJ? I haven't actually bought all that much. Um, no, nothing strange or startling. Um, what did we get the other day? No, completely blank. We got the ensuite paid for, so I suppose I bought that. Yeah. That was a, a chunk of change, but at least it looks brilliant. And we've got all the electrics sorted. I think I went over all this, but yeah, that, that was sort of paid off and sorted. Um, looking at cars, somewhat tentatively because i'm not really ready to buy a new car yet and i don't really need one just quite yet so it's kind of like a hmm i wonder it's nice to have a bit of space to consider i'm trying not to go full tj and and make graphs and spreadsheets i'm just trying to look at what i know the ballpark of kind of car that we would need and the the price bracket that we're in and the kind of cars that are available so then i can make a more informed decision later but at the minute it's very much just window shopping all oh, right, okay, very good. Uh, what about me? Well, similarly, I mean, our kitchen is finished, he said, um, sort of nervously. <laughs> um, this iteration, this this version is finished. Yeah, no, I mean, it's oh, it's all been really, really tiresome. So uh, we had uh, the, I told you about the bobbly worktop, didn't I? Yes, the bubbles, um, and we heard about the door that wasn't a door, and we heard about... Yeah. Uh, yeah, ma- all yeah. of that the ma- many so, trials and so, tribulations of one kitchen fitter yeah so that kitchen fitter has uh has come back and and finished but uh not with what one would describe as good grace so um on the last worktop the worktop has a curved end uh so you it's a sort of breakfast bar type arrangement mm-hmm. if you mm-hmm. if you follow um and the last one he did perfectly and this one, he didn't. Uh, so, whereas the last one was what you might call a sort of semicircle finish, this is more uh, sort of like chamfered. 
So it's almost as though you've got sort of two shoulders cut to a to an edge, mm. uh, which I'm all right with actually. I look at it and go, because I in my mind the whole kitchen is very brutalist. That's that's the word I use to describe it. It's all angles and you know clear and so I'm okay with that. The curve was sort of a little bit of a uh, a sort of standout anomaly anyway. Um, Mrs. L, I think it's safe to say, has a different view. <laughs> um, but it's one of those, she said, well, can you file it? And I said, well, if you could, as long as you did about eight hours a day for about three years, then <laughs> yes. Um, I mean, you could sort of take a jigsaw to it and, uh, and fix, but clearly you could, you could run out of words up at some point. You're just going <laughs> to be... It's, <laughs> Any, any men yeah. listening who, who shave beards will know what I mean. If you're trying to shape a beard, you can very quickly end up with no beard. Um, it's uh, a one-person kind of like breakfast that. bar. It's more of a breakfast station for one person, one small person to stand at. Yeah, you, you, you go from breakfast bar to overhang, I think. Um, <laughs> so uh, there's that. And then just other bits and pieces. It's like, you know, it, it's at the point where you know, I'm perfectly capable of being A, quite unpleasant, B, pretty assertive, um, and C, saying, listen, you're not going to get your money, fight me for it. Um, but I'm not sure that that's particularly going to work because the guy is just going to come back. Every time he comes back, he's making things worse now. So <laughs> I think it's best he doesn't come back. Um, and I think because of the whole atmosphere, I think Margaret has um, has switched now to... Um, the way she feels about the whole job is influencing how she's viewing the detail. Yeah. So, look at that. Look at what? That! Still can't say anything. It's terrible. Is it? Right. Okay. Um, so we, that's kind of where we are with that. But I think <laughs> that will pass. I'm hopeful that will pass. Yeah. Um, and now, now I'm spending money on something I didn't even know existed, TJ. Uh, kitchen accessories. Oh, one of those big wall signs yes. that says eat to remind you what you're supposed to do in a kitchen? Possibly. I mean, that I, <laughs> heavens, let's hope she doesn't listen. Um, the kitchen is blue with grey. Blue and grey are the sort of the main colours going on there. Um, the window frames are brown, dark brown. So there's an accent. But there's a lot of grey and there's a lot of um, blue now. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and one needs an accent to colour. So, uh, to the delight of all Draplin fans, I was pushing very, very hard for a neon orange. That's what I wanted. <laughs> Tangerine um, dreams. <laughs> yep. Uh, and then there was a little bit of pushback to, um, okay, maybe we should go for lime, uh, which is okay. Because I mean, I'm a, new listeners might not know, I've got a company called Lime, so I'm, I'm all right with that. Uh, but I wanted it bright. Uh, Mrs. L was a little <laughs> bit more muted. And she's now drifting towards a sort of lemon, sort of yellowy colour. Uh, when I say drifted towards, I think actually there has been, there's been a close on this deal. I just wasn't present. Um, <laughs> drifted so we are now getting and, like sort of smashed ashore and, and uh, yeah, started building a so. shelter on this idea. Yeah, yeah it's sort of a bright yellow cushion so have been ordered. Oh. So, um, we have... Uh, a little Ikea table in the, at the end of the kitchen, which I think the table and four chairs came to the staggering sum of about 110 euros. <laughs> um, 
so, so I think we can safely say that it's probably not hand carved out of walnut. But um, they have these little cushiony things, and there's a a guy here or a company here who goes, yeah, just bring them down. I'll copy them uh, in whatever color you want. That's handy. Okay. Uh, so uh, we're getting sort of bright yellow cushions, and a uh, I think the blind is going to have some sort of grey and blue stripes to go in with the thing. Um, and the last thing I heard was we were getting some sort of lemon splash pack. Oh, but it wasn't. It wasn't going to be a fitted splash pack. It was going to be something that was. I might be a splash pack. I might be a glass chopping board. I could be either. Oh, okay. Just Put me where you want, which sounds to me like a terrible idea. But uh, Mrs. L has that look. She has that look at the moment where I think I'm being told for information only. Opinions not required. <laughs> yeah, this so. is a read-only document. <laughs> mm, now, so uh, unusually for me, I, I perceived that before putting my size 10s in it and went, okay, right, good, excellent. Um, so, yeah, that's, that's where all my money is going um, and, <laughs> and going. And going and going, it's an endless thing. Seems to be going. And then there was some sort of Cosgrove esque talk as well. There was, wouldn't a yellow fridge be nice? Oh, uh, where I had to, <laughs> had to draw the line. Contact paper, my friend. Uh, Contact paper. Like you, I don't know. Was this the thing that you're in your days as well? Uh, we you put your your school books in like the plastic wrap to keep them good. Um, I was aware of it. It's not something I did, but yeah, there was. No, my mom was a, a real real enthusiast for covering all our books and she did such a wonderful job but it was like that like it it, it wrapped the outside of the book so the textbook sort of stayed nice for the next 600 students who would use it in the next 600 years um but you can get contact paper like that and just whatever you want faux marble do it metallic diamond grid diamond back sort of pattern do that you want chrome that'll work lemon drop yeah you get it <laughs> No, no, yeah, I do. No, I mean, I'm willing to give that a go, TJ, but uh, I think the answer that you are desperately trying to find is no brand new bright yellow smeg fridge. That, I think, is, is the required answer. That's what was being requested. Okay, all right. Yeah. Can you get them in Cyprus? I don't know. And I, again, there was a subtext that, that was along the lines of, but that's your department. <laughs> Um, I'll point at the one I want, and then uh, the logistics are really more your field than mine. <laughs> now, now you're getting there. Logistics and finance, we'll leave that with you, fat boy. Uh, no, so don't. yes, mm, we'll see. We'll see how that goes. And the other thing was, I bought some some golf kit. I bought uh, what did I buy? Two pairs of shorts, two t-shirts, uh, and I bought them in the UK, and they were sent over to me along with some stationary goodies. Uh, uh, a little bit of training material, uh, and where I did well on customs last time, I didn't do so well this time. So, ah, um, I paid fifty euros um, handling fee and VAT on things that had already been a handled and b VAT'd. Oh dear! But, um, there you are. That's that's the joys of the post Brexit world. Um, we're to, we're to blame all of this on Brexit, not on the fact that. Taxes are silly. Anyway. <laughs> but that was a bit annoying. I'm just looking at your show note for buying. Cool. Look at that. <laughs> Stunning. Uh, I was trying to think if I bought anything. No, it's been... Well, you looked at the car. That's what you said, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, I don't think there's anything strange starting there. 
Um, yeah, it's been a busy well, but boring it, week. In that case, quoting. Mm-hmm. Give me something wise. But Gustav Flaubert, oh, fantastic name. Uh, be regular and orderly in your life so that you may be violent and original in your work. Ah, uh, there you go. Ah, uh, Gustav, he was like that. We're French. <laughs> uh, all right, well, I'll give you a, a slightly more pithy one then. Um, <laughs> a banker is a fellow who lends you his umbrella when the sun is shining, but wants it back the minute it begins to rain. <laughs> um, I've, I've been having having some interesting conversations professionally with uh, with bankers uh, this week. Uh, what a bunch of bankers. That's about all I can say, really. <laughs> Parish notices. I got some good stuff, uh, namely dose one. Uh, <gasps> I got my first vaccination done and dusted <gasps> in the Odyssey Arena in Belfast, which is a big, it's where the ice hockey games are played. It's where a lot of the big things are. It's a huge, big, I mean, huge. They make bite. you do it on ice. Well, that seems hard work. <laughs> you skid to your, your appointment. No, thankfully, the ice is covered. Uh, they, they did an awful lot of concerts there as well. So by our standards, it's big. I'm sure by international standards, it's it's a small community, um, like Fet Hall in the corner. But um, it was brilliant. Like, uh, this is my first real interaction with the healthcare system during COVID, uh, thankfully. And it was so well organized, so pleasant. Everyone was lovely. We rocked up. Uh, we were directed uh, on the car, the car park. The car park was all free. Uh, we pulled up and it was, yep, straight across. That's are you going here for this. It was because there's a testing center and the vaccination center in the same place. So the, t- the testing's outside and the vaccination's inside. And we went up and we chatted with the attendants. They sent it, told us where to park, walked in, friendly people at the door, checked your, your number, uh, sent you in. Someone asked about your name, checked this, sent you on. Hand sanitizer at each station. And then literally it was in and it was like a little reception like individual receptions for each sort of row of this sort of huge stadium's worth of, of uh, nurses and staff. And they check a few bits and pieces. They walk you through what you're going to get and what it is and why, give you some uh, documentation. And then literally it's okay. And the next one they'll, they'll sort you out. And they sit down and they go, so left or right? You're like, oh, does it matter? Medically, no. But which do you write with? Oh, I'm right-handed. So, okay, we'll go left. And then it was sharp, sharp scratch. And that's you. And then you just wait for 15 minutes. So it was quite funny. We ended mm-hmm. up in sort of, it, it's like an exam hall setting. So you're in seats separated by, you know, two meters in every direction from another set of seats. And you're waiting there for 15 minutes, presumably in case there's some sort of allergic reaction, just to make sure you're yeah, okay. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, and we're sitting there and Meg and I kind of got diverted because we had slightly different times on our things, about 10 minutes between them. So we sort of diverted to different uh rose and so i'd got mine it was sorted and i sat down and texted meg you know all okay as you're sorted southwesterly was the reply and so i sort of craned my neck around and, and there she was quite southwesterly from me sitting in the corner <laughs> so we did this weird thing we're both like uh, naughty children in class texting each other while sitting sort of looking forward and then glancing back and texting each other uh, waiting for somebody to say stop writing yeah <laughs> waiting for somebody to come take my phone off me sorry sir you can't have that here um but it was grand uh and so that was literally the most painful part was the, the small scratch it was fantastically organized and a real testament to the healthcare system 
And yeah, that's my first dose done. My next dose is in August start. And then that's that, which is... And what did you get? You're young, so you presumably don't get AstraZeneca. Pfizer. Pfizer. Yeah, I could opt. I could opt if I wanted it. Uh, but I was able to get Pfizer and just thought that was a better option for me. So that's what I've gone with. And yeah, next dose in August. And then that's me double dosed. And that's brilliant. <laughs> it's weird with saying to Meg, like, we've waited so long for this and also not long at all. Like, in terms of vaccinations, it's a it's a really short timeline. In terms of, like, we'd like the world to go back to some semblance of normal and this is a step towards that, it feels like we've been waiting forever. So it was nice to be part sure. of that progress and um, feel like we were moving towards something. So, yeah, that was brilliant. Uh, that was my Monday, it would have been. No, what day are we on? Okay, and did you get any reaction or? Ah, uh, yes, yeah, sort of a sore arm. That was about it. Yeah, it was Monday. What about Wednesday night? So on Monday night we got it. Uh, next day, kind of like a dead arm, and it actually reminded me I was probably one of the last cohorts of students, at least in Northern Ireland, to get uh, the BCG jab. I don't know if you know about that. I can't remember BCG. all of what's in it. Uh, I can look it up. I'll we'll put it in show notes. Oh, the the, the anti everything. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's. I think it's. Um, what do you call it? Tuberculosis might be one of them. Either way, it was a it was like a ring of needles that kind of went into your arm. And I still have a little scar kind of thing on my arm from it. Um, but the, the other injection was literally just about an inch to the left from that on the same arm. And it was the same mm-hmm. feeling of like, ooh, a little bit tender. Feels like a dead arm. Feels like someone's punched you. And that mm-hmm. that memory reminded me of whenever we all got our BCGs in secondary school and everyone did punch you in the arm. So you got an injection in your arm and then... Being in an all boys secondary school, it was you're gonna punch him in the arm for it because it already hurts. So you got to make sure it hurts more. And it was a mm-hmm. sort of oh great, yeah, that was a fun time in my childhood. <laughs> Just looking at this, going ah oh, yes, I remember this pain. Excellent. So <laughs> yeah, no no other effects really. Bit of a woolly head if that makes sense. Sort of felt a wee bit like yep. oh, not a hundred percent the next day, but not in any way sick. I still went to work and all. Um, and yeah, grand. And then on Tuesday, I lost a fight with a box cutter. Oh, you don't want to do that. <laughs> no. Uh, yeah, the box cutter one. We had, we had a stern conversation uh, and I walked away defeated. I was cutting something and uh, stupidly slipped and basically uh, hit the box cutter at sort of a 45 degree angle into my pointer finger on my left hand. And the Ouch. thing that, that stopped it was the nail. So it kind of just went from the right hand side of my finger all the way up to the nail. So that was less than I mean, pleasant. That's what nails are for. I mean, <laughs> it's done its job. <laughs> so less than, than pleasant, but um, I, I'm looking at it now. It's totally fine. It's, it's healed up quite nicely and it's mostly gone. Um, or at least it's not, it's not sore anymore. It's just more of an annoyance. But it's one of those ones where you're like, yeah, this is me being stupid. And I had the thought when I was using them, I was like, just don't cut yourself with it. It'd be a really stupid thing to cut. You've cut yourself with it. Okay, good, good. Excellent. <laughs> <sighs> that's, that's, um, uh, you've got golfitis there. Uh, that's what that's what golfers tend to do. So if they're faced with a, a shot where on the left is I don't know water, um, gol- golfers tend to say to themselves, "Don't hit it left. Don't hit it left. Don't hit it left." And your brain uh, does a lot of sort of scan listening and scan reading. Left. So what? It, yeah, what it's hearing is left. Blah, 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 left, blah, 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 left, blah, 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 left. Gotcha. And so, yeah, boom, there you are. That's what you Get wanted, was water. Bullseye on the exactly. water. Exactly. <laughs> uh, so, 
yeah, golf coaches will will teach you to you know, focus on a target and think positively about the target you want it, <laughs> not the things you don't want it. Oh well, it it sounds good. I mean, here um, either things are getting really good or they're about to get really bad. I'm not mm. sure. So some poor soul um, had uh, an embolism not long after being jabbed with AstraZeneca. So that on top of the sort of existing, yeah. shall we say, uh, trepidation. PR, uh, no. Yeah, could PR is the wrong word because it sounds quite judgmental, but you know what I mean? The, the existing Coverage. concerns around yeah. AstraZeneca. Um, the government was this afternoon meeting about whether to withdraw AstraZeneca entirely from the vaccination program, which uh, would be, from my point of view, silly, um, but I'm just looking at that, that, what do they call that stuff? Oh, science. Um, and B would would sort of push back the progress that we're making because at the moment they're accelerating the second jabs. So I'm due to have mine in the middle of July. Um, and as things were yesterday, that would be brought forward to the end of June. How would that work uh, then? Would, would you just me? have to have a mixed if they got rid of AstraZeneca in, in Cyprus? Well, that's the thing. So, so while it was all, okay, you'll just go back and get another AstraZeneca. And given that all the Cypriots are terrified of AstraZeneca, you're not going to have a problem getting any availability. You're fine. Go for it, big boy. And now it's mm, AstraZeneca. We might not have any, in which case we're going to have to go to a mixed, which, again, tests have been done and there's no problem with that. Uh, there's no issue with that. But it is a supply question then because yeah. you've got everything set up supplying AstraZeneca. So um, I'm hoping that they look at all the evidence and go, whilst it's very unfortunate what's happened to this poor person, um, it's actually quite probably not AstraZeneca-related or indeed jab-related, people do get embolisms. Um, you know, uh, in the control group, people get embolisms. That's, that's one of the things that people get. Uh, so I'm hoping that we'll be okay and I'll get mine at the end of June because I'd, I'd really like to get... Once you get jabbed once, TJ, you just think, well, I just want the second one now. You, <laughs> you become demanding. Give me the second jab immediately. Um, but yeah, fingers crossed that that continues. I mean, mm. Cyprus has been doing quite well. We're over 50% for um, the first jab, and I think we're at 29 for for the second, which by European standards is is at the top end. Yeah. I think they hit over a million first jabs here in Northern Ireland and a country with 1.6 million people. It's pretty good going. Yeah. Ah, it's great, isn't it? Hopefully it will all be done soon and we'll, as you say, start getting back to normal. Anyway, let's hand over to the professional. <laughs> I was just calling that from now. This is the three-pin plug. The first pin is Stuart Lennon. You can buy his collection of reasonably priced notebooks and stationery supplies at nerosnotes.com. You can read his writings on writing at stuartlennon.com. If you want to see photos of his dogs, Spice and Charlie, you can follow him on Instagram at stuart.lennon587. The second pin is TJ Cosgrove. He created Wood and Graphite, a collection of over 150 short films on pencils, paper and other collected analog ephemera. You can watch it on YouTube, by searching Wood and Graphite. If you like looking at photos of coffee, keyboards and a black Labrador called Blue, 
you can follow him on Instagram at team underscore Cosgrove. The third pin in the three pin plug is this show, 1857. You can support the show by leaving a review on iTunes, or the podcatcher of your choice. The efficacy of which is debatable. Or by sharing with someone you think would enjoy it. Perhaps even nip over to nerosnotes.com and pick up a few lovely notebooks or fancy pencils, it all helps to cover the cost of hosting. The three-pin plug is brought to you by me, Gerald, a totally normal human being, and certainly not an AI-based neural voice generator. Thanks for listening, back to the show. One day a script ah, is going to be goes. different. One day it's going to be different and we're, all, we're not going to expect it. We're all going to be sitting wrapped attention, waiting for the, the spiel that we know and love, and he's going to go off-piste. Mm. So, what are we talking about tonight, TJ? Well, this is a, a topic that Meg actually sort of half came up with. Uh, and I, Well, Meg came right. up with the idea and I came up with the name because I do love a, a good emoji-driven name. Uh, and Meg has sort of said, you know, you've been really busy at the minute and you were less busy before. Is that, maybe you could talk about that. Okay. It's actually not a, not a, I probably won't write that as the episode title because that seems a bit long-winded, but <laughs> that sounds like an interesting concept. Because she'd asked me what the topic was, as she normally does on sort of a, a Tuesday night. I haven't got the foggiest. Stu hasn't sent me one, and I haven't sent him one, so currently there's not one. So the, reali- the reality is that that question is the driving force of the podcast. Because <laughs> yeah. Meg asks that question, you go, oh, we haven't thought of anything. You come up with an idea, send it to me, and I go, okay. <laughs> so it all begins with an innocent question from Meg. <laughs> as many things do ah so this topic is the waxing and waning of work uh and i deliberately went out and learned i think i've learned what uh waxing and waning mean uh and the differences mm-hmm. therein uh now these of course refer to the moon and the moon the lunar cycle and the waxing moon and the waning moon uh waxing from this is me desperately trying to remember what i read earlier today waxing is the moon coming into full illumination and waning yep. is the moon leaving full illumination and going dark so from our perspective it looks like it's becoming a thinner and thinner slice and then it goes away yeah there we go. that would be my understanding whether it's right <laughs> or not i couldn't tell you but that would be my understanding of so I, the the reason that this sort of came to mind is that the last couple of days sort of friday monday tuesday have been really really busy for me and thursday was busy too and that's not to say my normal day is not busy, but this is another level. I was I was um, in the building. I was doing various bits and pieces, and it was just busyness, busyness above and beyond what I'd been doing before, which had already been you know motoring along with a fair pace on stuff. And I realised that there is a real difference in that work, and sometimes it's really obvious, and sometimes you don't realise, and it's only when you get really tired or you you, you really need a break, or you get a break that you kind of realise the disparity between those two things. I thought it was quite interesting because I think we've talked about it before where there's overtime. So in some jobs, people will have overtime where they're working beyond their normal hours. But then there's the reciprocal undertime. If you work people too hard, if people work too much, mm-hmm. they underwork. And this, there's nothing nefarious in this. People just can't possibly keep up 100% efficiency all the time. And so this underwork is kind of you grasping back some sort of sense of relaxation or some you know less of a heavy pace so you can do it consistently 
and that kind of waxing and waning of work where you've got busy times against slower times, I thought could be a really interesting conversation because I think this is universal. I think everybody's job will have an element of this. Now, I think for some jobs, it's quite obvious. Like if you're a, if you work in a fire station and you put out fires, it's quite obvious when you're doing the busy work and, and when you're not doing the busy work. Uh, when you're currently fighting fires, that's busy. When you're not currently fighting fires, that's less busy. I think that could be agreed upon. For Whereas sure. there's other jobs where you think, this is a very sedentary activity. I'm sitting at a desk in front of a screen and I'm typing. It's largely identical to everything. Other thing I've done this week, but this thing matters. This is big. This is a very narrow window for screwing up. I need to get it right. It's important. It's timely. There's all manner of factors that can go into this. But that makes this, you know, important, big, heavy work that will take a lot more of your concentration, a lot more of your time, a lot more of your physical energy than, say, quickly typing up an email to a colleague about something that happens in six weeks' time. You know, there's a there's a mm-hmm. very delineated difference in these things. And I thought it'd be interesting from your perspective as well, because you're the person who decides what those are most of the time, I guess, uh, when you work for yourself. And I know that you, you know, I interface with lots of other third parties, mm. but when you work for yourself, you have to decide where those things are and which things are important and which things aren't. Yeah, I mean, it's... Um... <sighs> I suppose I'm seeing it at the moment in lots of different ways. This sort of provoked a lot of thought. So Mm -hmm. um, I'll give you one example. I'm in a position now where in Cyprus, there's no real um, visitors allowed still because of COVID restrictions. So we have some uh, foreign visitors. They're Russians. Uh, They've been allowed in on a sort of vaccination pass type thing. And they form... I suppose the second most important market here, but the first is 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 Brits, and the Brits, we're on the amber list for the United Kingdom, which means mm-hmm. if people come here, they have to then quarantine when they go home, and they're advised not a to hassle there. and a cost. Yeah, yeah, there's a a hassle and a cost, and you're in theory breaching the the advice. So that means that people aren't coming, which is what feeds this business that I'm working with, and you know this business has been paying me now for about six months. And essentially, I've been going, well, there's nobody here. Um, and I'm at the point where reaching out to, to my partners in the business here, you know, and saying, so how's it going? And they're going, there's still nobody here. So it's not really going. Uh, it's becoming probably more negative than positive now. You, you can quickly become a, a pain. Mm. When people say to you, don't call us, we'll call you. Eventually, they mean it. Um, so. From that point of view, my instinct is, is kind of just to, to dial back a bit because people tend to tell you <laughs> what they want. And if they keep telling you they don't want to talk to you, it's probably best <laughs> not to phone them up and say, I just thought I'd give you a call. Um, so that's what your instinct says. But there's another part of you that's going, when the dam bursts, i.e. somebody let's for the sake of argument say Boris Johnson says, okay, I think we should put Cyprus on the green list, um, which means that, that British people can come here. The airlines will start flying. Uh, the hotels will start offering you know, huge deals and there will be a flood of people coming. And all of my partners in the business will be so busy they'll have no time to talk to me. And so, and so that sort of 
waxing and waning effect. Mm. During this waning is my only real chance to build relationships because once all of the people come, they won't want to be talking to me. And it's, uh, it's quite difficult for, I'm finding it very difficult to strike that balance and to communicate to people, look, talk to me now, let's get something sorted in how we're going we're gonna to work an interface because very soon you want me to keep out of your way. <laughs> um, yeah. And it's, it, in that respect, it's a challenge. And it's difficult for me. Okay, I'm, I've been around the world of work for a while, but um, I, I imagine, I try and imagine myself if I was sort of, I don't know, 30 years younger in this position, I, you know, I'd be feeling, I, I do feel bad about the fact the company is not getting a great deal of value out of me right now. Like, okay, it's not my fault. But at the same time, it's like, oh, what can I do? What can I do? I know I'll phone that person up and essentially piss them off. Yeah, okay, I'm not sure that's great. Shall I phone that? But oh no, I'm just going to piss them off as well. And it becomes paralyzing. Uh, and that's, I think a real challenge now as we come out of COVID because where everybody has been working from home and going, well, you know, I'm very lucky to be working from home and, and uh, yeah, okay, it's not the same as it was, but we're doing okay. And, you know, all of those sort of conversations, that's all going to change very suddenly. Yeah. Um, as you say, you know, you, me, we've been lucky enough to say, okay, well, maybe I'll go into an office today. Maybe I'll, maybe I'll do this and sort of slowly reintroduce. But for a lot of other people, it's going to be right. The office is open. Come back. Yeah, your your home office is closed. <laughs> That's it. Forget it. Yep, yep. We will talk about how we're going to work for the future and stuff. We'll do all that. But for the moment, come back to work because we've got stuff to get done. We've got factories to open, you know, all these things. And everybody's suddenly going to be dealing with things they haven't dealt with for 18 months and that's going to be a, i think a huge challenge it is a shock to the system like even just commuting and being up and about one of the most telling things and i think the apple watch is really useful for this i was saying to a friend the other day i needed the dog walk in the evening to hit my targets i didn't walk mm. the dog i didn't get my rings and that wasn't the, the primary motivation to walk the dog. The primary motivation to walk the dog is the dog needs a walk. But it was a nice sort of collaboration where I got to get those rings. And I knew that at eight or nine o'clock, no matter what time I went out, I would definitely have 30 minutes of walking and that would take it off. I got home yesterday and it was like, I don't know, 67 minutes on the, the watch or whatever it was before I'd even gone out with the dog. I was like, I don't need anything. These rings mm -hmm. are done. I've been up for 16 hours. I've done 700 calories of movement and I've done two, an hour and a half of exercise. Dog can walk himself. Sure. Oh, you sit down. I'm, <laughs> I'm grand. <laughs> you know, and that's a real telling indicator to me, at least, that the amount of sedentary activity that I have at home is so much less than when I'm in the office. And I, I was, I have an office. I was in a, a, a place with a computer and a chair. And even then, just with the, you know, getting into work, walking between things, doing stuff, that's enough to tick over that activity. And so you come back absolutely flattened. And it got to like Monday night, I was like, Meg, I'm knackered. I am absolutely <laughs> knackered. I've done six weeks and not felt this tired in one day. And it just, as you say, it's all that stuff you're not used to doing. Even the simple act of socializing. Now, I was socially distant talking to people in the building where I was working. And that's, that's not physically taxing, but it's the, okay, oh, you don't, oh, you know, you, you get a, you know, you've great conversations, but 
normally that happens over Zoom, and normally you don't actually have those nice conversations. So it's, hi, you okay? Yeah, I'm okay. So the thing at four, yeah, we'll do that at this, there's this, yeah. Okay, no worries. I'll see you next time. And it's a 17 second meeting, and then you're off. Whereas this is like, I'm actually going to sit and talk for 10 minutes. And you see, you, you park on the edge of a seat, do you lean against a wall, and you have a good chat. I think I haven't engaged these social muscles in a year and a half, and they're atrophied, and I'm not quite sure how to use them. Yeah, absolutely. And it's, um, I mean, what else? What else did I come across today? Yeah, but similar sort of thing turned around where um, I had a day out last week where I actually had to go, um, you know, get in the car, drive to the other side of the island, go and see some people. Um, and you, I was acutely aware of how inefficient that all was. <laughs> Compared to a team's Just, call? Well, yeah, I mean, there's there's a a very large part of me that says, you know, it's much easier if you can have some face-to-face contact, talk to people, get a feel for them, get a feel for you, so that there's that degree of trust built up. And that's difficult to do on a Zoom call or Teams or whatever. So I'm, I'm very much into that. That's hampered somewhat when you can't sort of touch each other and you have to socially distance. I mean, that's slightly sort of awkward and odd. And... In many ways, it was quite new to me because Cyprus has been very much, well, just don't go out. <laughs> so I haven't seen anybody. There have been few meetings where we're face-to-face but socially distanced, you know, that sort of odd, social, mm. new, exciting interface. But it's not just that. What, what I noticed was, okay, I've got to meet, what did I have? I had in the diary four meetings. Um sort of i suppose to get to the center of where all my meetings were going to be is about an hour and a half drive so it's an hour and a half drive and then i've got a series of sort of 10 minute drives between meetings now me being me so okay i'm going to meet somebody at 11 the meeting will probably be 45 minutes but it might be an hour we'll call it an hour so that means that i can then drive the 10 minutes and well something could go wrong could be traffic We'll call it half an hour. So I'll meet this person at 11 till 12, and I will not set the next one till 12.30. And then you go and you have a 35-minute meeting. (laughs) And so now you've got 55 minutes, which requires a 10-minute drive, (laughs) which leaves you 45 minutes. Well, what am I going to do with that? I can't do anything sort of, you know, head office because that requires me being on the internet. And if I do the internet, you know, through my phone, it will cost me 7 million euros. <laughs> so, oh, oh. And, and then you repeat that three times. <laughs> You've spent 26 minutes in meetings and six hours driving between meetings that you didn't need to drive between. I, and sitting around going, now what am I going to do? Shall I drive around a bit? Have another Shall coffee? I maybe go yeah. and have a coffee. I'll go, I'll go and have a coffee. <laughs> But going and having a coffee in, in Cyprus, again, people don't think about this. Um, field sales, a sort of account management in Cyprus is horrific because what, what you want to do is you want to be sitting in your air-conditioned car. You want to park pretty much in the doorway of the place you're going. And you want to get <laughs> in there, have an air-conditioned meeting, and then get back in your car. Because 15 minutes outside of the air-conditioning and you're a wet, sopping mess, which is not ideal going into a meeting. <laughs> Hello, I've been swimming and or walking outside. 
<laughs> exactly. And, you know, customs being customs, it's like, well, you can't really go to a meeting in Bermuda shorts, can you? So you'll be wearing trousers. <laughs> it's like 37 degrees. Um, oh, well, I better wear a proper shirt. Excellent. Well, make sure you get the right color because those patches of sweat can be a little bit off-putting for people. Tweed? Yes, um, I think so. Tweed today. <laughs> the Cosgrove wardrobe would, would, would struggle here, I have to say. He seems to be on fire. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, so this whole sort of, oh, well, I've got an hour. Do you know what? I'll just go and kick back in a, in a cafe. Well, yeah, but you're just going to get smellier and sweatier for an hour and then go to a meeting. Um, so relearning all that for me has been, like, oh, wow, okay. We need to really rethink how I make these things mm. work. Um, and then times where I've had, I've time blocked my diary for today, for example. I, I had a meeting that I had to do yesterday, which was, it was terribly important. It was big, well, big panels and things. And there were members of parliament and it was all very exciting. To the extent that I did the meeting, because it was on Zoom, I did the meeting in uh, Under Armour shorts. And a blue business shirt. Um, <laughs> just don't get up and go to the fridge. Whatever you do, don't get up and go to the fridge. So it's just, you know, the head and shoulders there. Um, and I literally had the shirt hanging up, put it on two minutes before the call, took it off one minute after the call, back into a T-shirt. Um, <laughs> and so that was a busy day, but there's been a load of sort of fallout from it that sort of just blitzed my day today. And as you say, you know, I was expect not waning because I had time blocked and I thought, okay, I'll do this and I'll do that because I've got lots of different projects on. Um, but suddenly there was lots of urgent, busy stuff. You've got to do this. You've got to do that. We've got to get back to these guys. We've got to get back to them. What do you think we should do with this? You know, all that sort of stuff. And, you know, clients, clients, you try not to let them down. So that I suppose would be much more my, how I remember life for the last 30 corporate years. But in the last 12 months, I have very firmly forgotten how to do all that. Yeah. So it's I'm, it's I'm funny saying, how quickly whoa, you whoa, adapt. Whoa. <laughs> I've got 30 minutes reading scheduled now, actually. And I'm, <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to write a travelogue about a Camino that I walked three years ago with my best friend. Oh, whoa, 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 what do you mean it's urgent? Go away. <laughs> um, so, yeah, that sort of waxing and waning thing, it's, I think is going to be a huge shock to people. Mm. And also I've noted in myself and in others less tolerance for for some of the stuff that we used to put up corporate faffery yeah um cor corporate faffery is a good word for it i'm just <laughs> it's the the stuff that you're like this is a zoom meeting i'm not a long one at that when you're sat for 40 minutes and i haven't had any sort of in-person meetings like that it's all been very informal but We've had several where it was, uh, you know, 30, 40, 50, 60 people in a meeting. And the nature of those things is that Teams and Zoom actually work pretty well for that kind of, here's a mass message that we need to chat to a lot of people at once. We maybe want some input. We want some questions and things like that. But by and large, most people are listening and a few people are talking. And that works really nicely on Teams. And you can record it and you can send it out to people who can't get there live. You know, it, it works quite nicely. The medium matches the message. Mm. But if you're brought into, you know, we've had those kind of all hands meetings before. 
And sometimes they're nice if you get a, you know, a cup of coffee and you get to go and speak with people. But they take two hours to do in person mm-hmm. and they could take 25 minutes to do over Teams. And you're going, hmm, is this four times better in person? Or is this, a, even if we're all in the same physical space, we're going to do this digitally because it doesn't make sense to all run and stand in the same location. Yeah, I think that that's part of it um, to, I mean, I'm, I'm still running my one man campaign against meetings um, and, you know, all of the various and sundry people uh, that I come across in businesses are learning the hard way. Um, I mean, I'm sure one of them will turn around and fire me eventually, but um, I got an email today. So when you log in to the system, I've used the system as a cover there. When you log into the system, you will need to perform a three-factor authentication. Three digits will be sent to your email and three digits will be sent to your mobile. (sighs) Why? Why would you do that? Why on earth would you do that? Pretty much every person that I know in business has a smartphone upon which you get mobile messages and email. So it's not three-factor at all, is it? <laughs> um, and yeah, people keep sending me, me meeting requests for an hour. And I keep going back to them saying, what are we talking about for an hour? And they, they start to go, well, you know, I said, no, can you send me an agenda? And they send me an agenda and I go back and go, okay, 10 minutes. <laughs> an hour. An hour. Good Lord. It's because you get you get eight meetings and that's your day done. Seven if you're having a long lunch. Yeah. Well, I, I suppose there is that as well. I mean, it, it's, it feels busy, doesn't it, to be having meetings. But I mean, there's also been guidance about, and we, we got this as well, where you're trying to end meetings early and start them late so that it's not, because there's a, there's a real human nature element to this of like, oh, a neat block. This Jenga block will fit neatly into this stack of other blocks. And you're like, one R, sure. one R, one R, one R, one R. Mm. Sometimes if it's a really, if it's a really tiny meeting, like 30 minutes and I'll, you know, 30 minutes. That's, that's the minimum block that you're working with. In reality, you probably need, as you say, 10 minutes in a 30 minute block. Um, but this kind of, the neat stacking of a calendar doesn't necessarily correlate to the actual time in a person's life from getting up and getting dressed and starting work to finishing work. And so having that, you know, there's, there's people I know that are in meetings literally back to back for six or seven hours because six or seven independent groups have gone, Oh, you're free at three, three o'clock, please. Three to four. Oh, you're free at two. Yeah. Two to three. Yeah. No problem. Oh, one, one to two. Yeah. No problem at all. And suddenly it all gets, you know, chomp, 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 all of the hills on your day is just one big block of stuff and there's no real time to reset. There's no real time to switch off. And, and Meg's had this as well, where there's a couple of meetings where I'm like, are you still, you still going? She's like, yeah, 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 still going. Another one after this. Oh, all right. I'll make you a cup of tea and then I'll go away. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, um, I, th- I think management Managing of time and managing of people and being respectful of people's time is the big learning point from uh, from the lockdowns. Mm. I mean, obviously, remote working is one thing, but 
I'll give you an example again. This is the corporate, and I, I don't want to pick on them because they're they're a really nice bunch of people. But um, one one of my one of my new and exciting managers sent me, and everyone else it wasn't just me. <laughs> sent everyone mail saying um, we've had another instance where people have tried to claim expenses that are more than thirty days old. Uh, if you don't claim within thirty day period, they won't be paid. All right, now that's a company policy thing, you know, that's how companies work, blah, blah, right? It's quite a curt email, but it, uh, you can tell it's meant to be. You know, this is a little bit of a finger wag saying, go on, get yourselves together, people. Two days later, there was, for the same team, there was not an all hands. Well, I suppose it wasn't all hands. It was a, uh, a town hall for that division where we all logged on on Zoom. And it's one of those town halls where four people speak and the rest of you shut up. And listen <laughs> so it's not really a town hall at all but anyway so here come the spiels and the spiels are look it's tough out there we know that we need to be mining our pipelines we need to be maximizing our blah 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 blah, blah, blah. so don't be doing unnecessary admin don't be doing busy work get out there and do things that really impact transactions and you don't know how difficult it was for me not to unmute myself and say so that email that you sent the day before about stopping work so that i could do my expenses claim so that it didn't run more than 30 days you want me to ignore that now (laughs) (laughs) because that to me is where companies are getting it wrong and and this particular company i'm feeding back to them saying look the way that you manage that is you say on the third Wednesday of each month, or whatever it might be, three o'clock, everybody stop. Do your expenses. Then, Thursday morning, get in there and kick ass, take names, and get deals. Rather than say, it's up to you to manage all your admin, but don't do it when we need deals. <laughs> yeah, which build, is essentially what the, co- yeah. the company's doing. Build that in, build that time in, and then you can literally say, okay, you're submitting tomorrow, so you can do them now. No one's going to pester you. No one's going to bug you. There's two hours. Go and do it. Yeah. If, if the work, if, you know, if that thing needs doing, because it makes the whole running of the company easier for, for, you know, different departments and stuff, which is a perfectly legitimate thing to say, ascribe a time to it. Rather than expecting people to, be, you know, 40 hours, blah, blah, sell, 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 and then just do your admin, you know. Take some family time to do that. <laughs> Sunday Go seems on. like a good day. <laughs> it's, it's the same con trick that you see companies doing when they say, well, you know, you can take as much holiday as you want. Because what that's, you know, it's been proven that what happens then is that nobody takes any holiday. <laughs> and so generally you'll see the company say, well, you can take as much holiday as you want. There's no limit. Um, you know, it's it's within your own remit, but you know we don't carry any over from year to year. It's, you know, we don't have a system like that where we count or anything. So uh, you take what you need, but you know, if you were to leave the company, for example, you don't get paid any outstanding holidays, just, you know, because you didn't take it. But and what happens is that nobody takes it because everybody goes, well, yeah, I'm quite busy now, and I don't really want to leave the team one day, and so so it ends up with nobody taking any holiday. Whereas I think the intention was that people would take more. I'd be going, yep, no worries. Uh, I'm on holiday every Friday, so uh, see ya. Costa del living room. (laughs) 
<laughs> but not only that, if you know, if you think that it's a good idea for your employees to be, you know, energized and have, you know, more, what do they call it, work-life balance and all that stuff, tell them to take Fridays off. Yeah. Force them to. Say, take Fridays off. Don't say, oh, you can take Fridays off if you want. <laughs> because, the, you know, the subtext, well, it's, it's passive-aggressive. And I see loads of this now in this company and in other companies where they're like, well, you know, employees should take responsibility for their own training. Sorry? Can I take responsibility for my own salary as well? <laughs> I'd like 150000 a week. Thanks very much. I'm just being autonomous. <laughs> yes. Autonomously, I have decided. Uh, so I, I foresee some interesting conversations going on with some people uh, in the next few days just because it's... Um, as you say, it's waxing and waning. Mm. So as more things come on and I, I can see pressure being applied to people sort of, you know, corporate wise, and I can see it and I can think, okay, the, the, the tools to manage this haven't been thought out. So I'm, I'm not sure that companies are quite ready <laughs> to go back. Yeah. I think it's going to be a huge shock to people right? individually and corporately. Um, the companies that I'm working with, interestingly, I mean, the, the, the big sort of corporate one has reduced its office space. It's moved back to an office that it was in before. So it moved to a big one. Now it's moved back to a small one. Um, and they've uh, come up with a typically wonderful system. You know, if you want to go and, and use a desk, then you have to apply in triplicate to 400 people and have it signed off by your grandmother and, you know, all sorts of stuff. Um, but it, I, it's fascinating. It's going to be absolutely fascinating to see how that works. And have people really learned to manage output rather than effort? Mm. I don't know if that's true. I, I think, think that's a very you're... self-employed thing, though. And, and it's fine for you and I because we, you do that and I've done that previously. I understand the, the nature of if I don't do this, it doesn't get done. Whereas it's very easy when you're working in a in a bigger company with systems and, and checks and balances presumably in place to go, yeah, yeah but that's not my job. I just I, I help or do that or maybe that's part of something I do, but it's not what I not what I do. And so you know, mm. it someone's got it, and then someone doesn't, or there's an expectation that you're doing it and you're expecting someone else to do it, and so it just doesn't get done. Yeah, I think so. But I mean, with the, with the tools that we have uh, or that are available to us, um, and certainly when I look at corporates, the amount of meetings that people have, I mean, how can there be anything that's not covered? Good grief. Um, <laughs> look at that. A complete aside, tangent, tangent time, tangent warning, everyone. My watch has suddenly started giving me notifications. No, out but... of nowhere, it just just bings at me and says, uh, "So what was this? This is an email from Mailchimp to my Nero's Notes account." It's not something I would have a, a notification on for, believe me. But there you go. Just <laughs> what's going on? Thank you so much. I'll now delete this promptly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Why are you suddenly telling me stuff that I'm not got not interested in? I've, I've turned <laughs> off all notifications. Why have you turned them all back on again? Um, so yeah, I, th I think within corporate entities, there is always a tendency, as you say, there's a tendency to want to fill your diary 
look at that, I've got eight meetings. Yeah. Super busy. There's a tendency to um to focus on uh rules and regs and when it suits and then throw them all out when it doesn't. And I think that that can be very, very, um, well, it is very complicated if you're, a, if you're a staff member, trying to understand what people's expectations of you are. Um, do you want me to be the guy that always gets his expenses done? Or do you want me to be the guy that's chasing that last deal to get that deal rather than do my expenses? Which, which one do you want me to be? Um, and that's, you know, that's trickle down pressure, I suppose, isn't it? There's different, different targets mm. that people have and different, um, priorities in a way it's a wax, a wax and a wane of like, it's a pressure, I suppose, deadline pressure. But I think what we learned or what many companies learned was that having a remote team working from home because they weren't allowed to work anywhere else. People didn't suddenly stop working. They didn't do less. No. Now, okay, there may, there may be a factor of they did too much. There may be a factor of they were scared they were going to lose their job um, because, you know, obviously the, the pandemic has been tough on the economies. But um, what, it really, what it really showed is that if you wanted to, you could make it work. Uh, and the way that they did that was by focusing on output. Mm. You know, what does person A get done rather than, you know, oh, look, there's person A sitting at their desk from seven in the morning till <laughs> yeah. nine at night. They're present. <laughs> yeah. Which, you know, used to be a big measure. There's plenty of books written about how, you know, sort of going home early. Um made you look less good in the in the eyes of of the managers it was um i can't remember the book but it's a it's a real yeah uh, gender thing because women would would very often be the ones who had to go home and deal with uh the kids and so oh well she's not committed well she is she's just got another full-time job while you're sitting there scratching your backside pretending to be working (laughs) (laughs) um but yeah i don't know it's 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 going to be really, really interesting to see how the world reacts mm. to, to opening up. I think, as you say, it'll be a gradual thing and then not. And that, I think, may catch some people because it's, it's like those steps. So you, you finally feel a little bit more normal. Some things have changed. This, you can do more, you can do more. And then all of a sudden you run out of restrictions to loosen. And you're like, oh, well... Technically, this is normal again. It's like finishing an exam um, and you finish the exam. And you're like, right, when I finish, when I, whenever I write this last word, when I pencils down, I'm going to feel so good. It's going to be the absolute pinnacle. Like summer has begun. I'm going to feel amazing. And then you write the last word and you put down the pens and you go, hmm, I feel exactly the same as I did 10 minutes ago. Right. What now? You kind of just because you there there seems that there's a societal threshold or there's a moment of change doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to feel it or that you're going to experience it uh, inside. And so for you, it could be a yeah. Technically, I can go to a pub. Technically, I can go to a shop. Technically, I can hug people. But am I ready to do those things? 
Is that something I'm comfortable with? Is going back into the office five days a week something I'm comfortable with? Is it something that I'm capable of doing right off the bat, having worked at home for 18 months? <sighs> These are questions that we don't know the answer to, but as you say, I think we'll swiftly find out once people start doing it. For sure. It's, I mean, the the reality, I think, of, of the, the restrictions disappearing is that it it's by definition sudden and it's go back to work. <laughs> but aren't we going to be doing, well, no, we, we might change the way we're going to do things, but we'll, we'll think about that tomorrow. Right now, get back to work. And I think there'll be many, many companies who are, you know, having the conversations and going, okay, well, you know, should we just sort of say to people, you can now start coming back one day a week or two days a week or, uh, and there's managers going, well, hang on, how am I supposed to make all this work? You know, can I have all my team back? Can I have some of my team back? Should some of them be in? Should some of them not be in? What about person A doesn't want to, I mean, and the default of companies is to go, okay, yeah, look, get everyone in. Let's get to the base point, i.e. where we were. And then let's work, work outwards from there. Mm. And HR people are the same are going, okay, well, you know, how are we going to do this? Is that, are you disadvantaging somebody against someone else? It's going to be really complicated, I think. I'm um, just glad I don't work in HR. <laughs> well, I don't know. I, I suppose the, the HR people are going, oh, well, we've got lots to keep us busy. Um, <laughs> there, there, was a, there was a moment there we thought we might actually have to do something useful. Um, but it's, it's, it's a huge challenge that the world has faced, and you know, work is just one tiny part of it, I think. Mm, absolutely. And it's still facing and, in many, many places in many ways. Yeah. Uh, but one of the things you have now is you have a lot of employees who have discovered that they can manage their own time, that they quite enjoy managing their own time, that they can pretty quickly identify what's most important in their job and what's least important. Um, and they can very quickly identify what you, the management, think is the most important and what you think is the least important. And probably tell you why there's a difference between <laughs> those two things. Um, and that's going to be a huge challenge for managers to work out how to, to harness that in a yeah. you know, competitive world. Competitive how do you go from remote managing to manage managing again? If people have become somewhat autonomous, you're like, how much of this is my job now and how much of this is me being there in a different role? And I'm not a manager, so I don't know this, but you know, if you've been micromanaging a team or, or working really closely with people in a physical space and then all of a sudden you're all disparate in your own homes, you're still managing the team, but it's a different kind of interaction. And when you all come back to the same building, are you going to work the same way as a team or are you going to work in a very different way as a team where you're like, yeah, we can still do this, but I don't need to walk over to your desk or go down two floors to sit in a meeting room that we've booked. Just call me on the WhatsApp or call me on Teams or call me on Zoom. We'll talk about it and then we'll both look to our other screens and continue work without having this faff mm. of going and booking rooms and wandering around the building. Yeah. And as you say, all hands meetings. I mean, you actually, I mean, everybody just puts them on to, you know, if you've got a spare screen, you put it on there. Um, or the one, the ones I notice is that, you know, at least half the attendees have got poor internet at that particular moment because they have to turn the cameras off. 
<laughs> I normally put the cameras off and eat a bag of crisps, if I must admit. That's my go-to. Well, exactly. People are eating a bag of crisps or just uh, checking through Twitter. or <laughs> Because, and, and this may sound like a broken record, because the meetings are a complete waste of time. <laughs> if you've got a meeting going on in your company and people have got their cameras off, it's because the meeting is crap. Understand that. Deal with that. I'm, you know, I sit there with managers going, cameras on, please. And about three people put the cameras on, and the other 30 go, yeah, yeah. Yeah, internet's not very good. Just stand really still and then jerk your head to the left and stay really still. I've I've typed in the chat. I've typed it. Yeah, internet's bad. Yeah, sorry. And you just think, well, it's because you're wasting their time. They've got stuff to do. Probably <laughs> stuff that benefits you. Um, certainly, I, as you say, I, I've got some some managers who, you know, I've said, oh, look, I need to I need to touch base with you at some point. So let me know when you've got ten minutes. Um, not tomorrow. Not the day after Friday. I can do. And what the hell are you doing that you can't give me ten minutes? What if I just give you it in 30 second blocks? I'll I'll message you in another 10 minutes and ask the next part of my question. Yeah, it's just back to back. It's back to back meetings. You're thinking, well, when do you fit your work in? (laughs) No, no, the meetings are the works too. That is work. (laughs) And yet, uh, everybody I speak to, you know, and again, this isn't this an original thought from me. Um, Everybody does their best work either first thing in the morning before the meeting start or after the meeting. That's the only time I've got to do the to do the work. Why? Because the rest of the day I'm in meetings. Stop going talking to the, about the work I'm going to do. <laughs> uh, I'm I'm hoping that that will change. I'm hoping that's the thing that everybody learns mm. from it. Is, and goes, you know, um, the uh, regular meetings. You've got to be you've got to be a really switched on manager to run a regular meeting that serves any purpose. <laughs> because otherwise, it just becomes becomes a memo but read out yeah and there so best be coffee I'm being forced to attend if i'm doing this irl there best be coffee yeah exactly um but then it becomes all you know very important for all the social interaction yeah the which weekend. is arguably yeah, what I'm missing. Yeah, it's the monday catch-up yay or <laughs> two hours of everybody's wasted time so you know these companies that have I, I'm, there's a risk I'm going to be shouting at the internet in a minute. But these companies that have, uh, what, do, what do we have? We have a, um, it's called a Q&A on a Friday. And I don't have to go to it. Uh, let me say that because it's at 5.30. Uh, so the end of the working week, except I'm two hours ahead. So it's half past seven on a Friday night for me. <laughs> yeah, dream on. Um, now, I, I, I do attend if I'm not doing anything. But now that we have restaurants, I'm doing something. <laughs> So <laughs> I'm actually busy, whatever time that is and whatever day that is, I'm busy. Yeah. And, and the company is, is absolutely fine about it. And they're like, you know, of course we understand it's half past seven, you, you don't need to come, which is it's great. But I could, I could run that meeting. I could, I, I may do this. I can record the meeting for everyone and impersonate all of the speakers because it's the same speakers each week. And it's pretty much the exact same text. So uh, it's all, um, and I quite like doing caricatures. 
So one of one of one of my managers got has got excellent hair. I mean, really, really good hair, beautifully kempt, um, and it's it's clearly his pride and joy. And so you take that and a couple of his catchphrases, and you can do a pretty good impersonation of him. Because, you know, like everyone else, he's saying, you know, when you speak, people know it's you. Yeah. When, when I speak, people know it's me. And so I could actually do it. I could record it. And I think we could put it out for, I don't know, four or five weeks and nobody would know the difference. Just record the meeting that's, that goes on and then just replay it. So record an actual meeting and just replay the meeting every week and just see how long it takes before someone realizes. Yeah. And, I, you know, as I listen to these meetings, slight, slightly sort of distanced, I'm, I'm listening there and I'm going, you said this last week. So we started the week optimistic. There, there you go. There's one big catchphrase. We started the week optimistic, and then on Monday, and men and right, now we're just going to run around the room, which means that I'm going to get four other managers to say the thing they said last week. And I, oh, dear, I don't. I, I don't understand why companies can't, you know, senior, senior managers can't sit there and go, hmm, there's probably a reason that 80% of the attendees don't have the cameras on. <laughs> and, and yet, you know, inertia is so powerful. Yeah, I don't know, TJ. I'm getting old. Must be. Well, this has been an excellent episode of Two Grumpy Men on the Internet. Thanks so much for listening. Absolutely, I'm not that grumpy now. I mean, it's still quite warm here. <laughs> um, I've got, I've got one dog is literally on the couch with his four legs in the air, trying to keep as cool <laughs> as he can. Bless him. I've been Stu Lennon, and I've been TJ Cosgrove. Remember to make the past the present. In the future, this was 1857.